Hello and welcome to the Video Gamer UK podcast. My name is Matt Lees and I'm joined by David Scannell. Good afternoon. Stephen Burns. Hello. And a new entry to the office who is working on a secret project which we cannot tell you about, but it's not it GTA is 5. Mr. Brett Phipps. Hello. You're playing GTA 5? He's not playing no. GTA 5. No. Oh, he's not playing GTA 5. No, and he's not, not working GTA on it. And he's not working You've on it either. Ruin the joke, Dave. Oh, no. Yeah, so Brett is joining us today. Hello, Brett. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Everyone not to right? be confused with Brat. Brett, Brat. That's the thing. I want. That's a new yeah. series waiting I, to happen. I am going to start. And I haven't been able to do this because you haven't both been in the office enough because obviously Brat's on holiday this week. But I'm looking forward to being able to go Brat, 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 and Brad. Something Brat, Brat, Brat. Rangers. I need something to put before Rangers, preferably something derogatory. I can't. Mm. Just bear with me. You have to bear with me on that. Well, Brett, you've done this a long time ago, right? You were here, you were our yeah. old buddy a year ago on here yeah. for a couple of weeks. Yeah, I interned for a few weeks. Welcome back. Yeah. Now you're here back. forever. Hopefully, yeah. What do you mean, hopefully? <laughs> Just don't do anything bad in the first four weeks. Don't get it out Well, I'm sitting next to you, so I could well do That, that is a I problem. Might be turned. Yeah. So we'll do a little, uh, a little teaser one. We forgot to actually whack out any questions uh, for you specifically, because we're useless, because Brad does all this stuff. What's your favourite game? Favourite game? Put you on the spot. Super Mario World. Super Mario World. That's a good shout. Right. That's a good shout. What's your least, what's the worst game you've ever played? Oh, that's a really good one. Probably, um... What's that Star Wars fighting game on PS1? Masters of Terrace Castle. That's the there one. you go. That was a bad game. Yeah. Fucking hype oh, yeah. shit. You get points for both of them. Well, let's kick things off. Um, it's been a weird week for games because there haven't actually been many games because, funnily enough, there's a big game coming out next week. Mm. Yep. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, uh, you've just been playing a bit, Pez. Are you allowed to talk about that at all? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> no. This is the other exciting thing about this week is we're in that zone where... We've all played quite a lot of games. Most of us can't talk about any of them because yeah. of embargoes. Does anyone have a game they've played this week that they can talk about because of because there are no embargoes? I've been playing a lot of Grand Theft Auto for four. Four. Can you tell us about Grand Theft Auto Four? It's very good. It's very good. It feels quite dated now, though. <laughs> I can't imagine why. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh God, this is a funny week, it's, isn't it? It's a very awkward moment. I've, I've, all right, I'll, I'll kick off while you guys try and think of us anything you've played. Yep. It's hard, though. I'll be honest. Mm. I had a bit of a go this morning on a game called Delva. Now, Delva is a kind of uh, voxely roguelike with crunchy pixels. I just like saying those words. <laughs> I don't know what I f- how I feel about them. Um, basically, yeah. Um, it looks like Minecraft, but it's an underground randomly dungeony game where you go around and you collect equipment and the equipment inventory is very much like minecraft in terms of like it's minecraft in the underground sort of yeah but it is an rpg so you kill monsters you level up and there are like potions to drink and magic spells and not the london underground no not the london underground oh, that would be good well though, they right? tried they've done that, that like, in minecraft it's not in minecraft oh. but there is a, a dungeon crawling um <laughs> hang on hang on game. before you go any further right there's a dungeon crawling game yeah set in the london underground yes it's called what? Hellgate London. Yeah. It flopped really massively. Oh, but yes, it, of course. It was literally yeah. set in the London Underground. It wasn't a accurate version. <laughs> I think that was... Oh. Most of the reviews, uh, that's the biggest problem. <laughs> it just, uh, just wasn't very realistic. No, no delays. Mm, not, no, not very, there was no train, so it was pretty accurate that way. <laughs> <laughs> Boosh. Um, but yeah, no, this Delva game, it's all right. Basically, it's one of these things on Steam where it's early access. So I paid like seven quid and just got into the early access. Thought, oh, check this shit out. Um... It's all right. And you know what? It's, it kind of reminds me of... It's not reminds me. It makes me realise that we are in a weird time for the way that games get funded. And I, I don't really know what the right solution is because the problem is kickstarting is problematic because obviously it's just like somebody shows you a picture of a game and goes, hey, we're going to make this game. And then you go, all right, here's half a million quid. And then you just kind of hope that the vision... Uh, that they had originally is mm. what they're well, able we, to deliver. We were talking about this last week because there was a bit of an on-air argument between me and Brett as mm. I had to apologise to him about uh, the Mega what, Man. on air or afterwards? No, on air. On It was oh, live Jesus. and uncensored. Christ. Uh, yeah, I went on a rant about Kickstarter being shite. You see, I don't think Kickstarter is shy. I think Kickstarter is actually quite shy. good. I, I think it's it's great for the smaller devs, but the, the bit I hate... People like Molyneux yeah. and David Braben. To be honest, mentioned. I don't know what the discussion was. I haven't had a chance to listen to that no, no, podcast no. yet. But um, I get the... Imp- I mean, I probably might be on your side with this because I think with Mega Man particularly, mm. it's like, oh, come on, mate. Like, it just feels a bit weak. Mm-hmm. That it's like, it's a Mega Man game that isn't Mega Man, but it's Mega Man. And... It's Mega Man! It's I Mega mean, Man without Mega, Mega Man, Man name. Sure, but I don't know. It just feels like a bit... I, I personally like the way that Kickstarter is used to... I don't know. I think the nostalgia thing is a bit weak. It's just like, let's recreate old games. Yep. Um, I'd rather have new stuff. I agree. But um, 
the the thing I have with the whole Kickstarter thing is, I guess the problem I have with it is not to do with any of that stuff. It's to do with the fact that really it's alluding to the idea that the games go from concept to product mm-hmm. and that any loss of vision along the way in terms of what you originally want to create and what you create is somehow down to the puppetry of publishers going, oh, you can't do that. You've got to put tits in your games. And I think that does happen to a degree. And I think there are compromises that are made, but often they are made at the conceptual level and, they're made before you start working on the game. Mm. And I think to blame them on games going awry is an easy get-out. And actually a lot of prominent developers, um, including Irrational, I think, have perhaps been a bit cheeky on the side of blaming publishers for elements of games that maybe the publishers didn't really have a hand mm. in. Mm. Um, but anyway... It's I, to tell, though, isn't it? Like, you know, I'm sure it happens, but, but then, to what degree? It's so hard but to... But then on to early access, and this is what this Delver game is... Yeah. Um, I kind of feel like, oh, well, that's the obvious solution, isn't it? Rather than having like, you know, here's what we want to make. Having a proof of concept that you can pay six quid and play and then being like, oh, yeah, you're funding development by buying a work in progress game. It's all very nice. I like the idea of it, but the reality, and I've done this with a few games recently, I'm not too keen on. Because basically what's happened recently, obviously it's my job to do this, I will download these alpha games and I'll play them and I'll see what we reckon of them and see, you know, is it worth getting in on this? And often I kind of think, well, I don't know. It's, you kind of, the problem is then you are then playing these incomplete games. Mm. And it's a bit of a catch-22 in the fact that the only way that these incomplete games might ever become complete games is by you giving the funding they need to make the game, but then by playing the incomplete version of the game, yeah. you're probably spoiling the experience mm. of what the final game's going to be like. Yeah. I kind of got the impression of that slightly with Sir You're Being Hunted. Even though it's fun, I sort of felt like, ah, oh, I like this, but I'm not going to play it again now until it's almost finished. I keep getting confused, and this is going to sound a bit silly, but I always get confused between Steam Greenlight, Early Access, and then obviously all the stuff that goes on in between. Well, it's fuzzy, that's the thing, is because at the moment you have got like games that are... I think Greenlit games have to be finished, but I don't know, I don't know. Because I don't know. This Delver game is on beta Early Access, um, but it's it got onto Steam through Greenlight because it's been around for a while, it's been an Android game, it's been a... It's been development for a while. Right. And it's okay, but it's just one of these things where when you are kind of buying a, a proof of co- a concept, it just feels a bit, I don't know, especially when you've... That's the thing, isn't it? You're paying for a promise, essentially, rather than... It's a, difficult but... as well, because often the nature of games means it's not as tangible. If somebody says to you, oh, you've, you know, you're funding a TV show and you've paid for a pilot, you watch the pilot, it's kind of like it's, it's cut and dry. Yeah. You've, you've paid for a finished chunk of a mm. whole product. Whereas with this game, it's a roguelike. So basically it means that every time you die, you restart, you explore these random dungeons. Uh, it's full of monsters. But it just, it's lacking a lot. And it's not lacking a lot just in terms of features. It's, it's really lacking atmosphere. The enemies don't really feel... I guess that's it, just like a public extension on, on what media, how media's been going for years, though, like with preview yeah. builds. It's just that this is more in the public domain now, I guess. Um, and also, I think the difference is, though, with preview builds, one of the reasons that preview builds are so difficult to make and demos are really difficult and a lot of developers hate making demos is because of that, because mm. you, have to make a, you have to create a vertical slice, they yeah. call them. Yeah. And it's so expensive to yeah. do that yeah. because they make sure that what you get is, is as it, close to the final release as possible, yeah. so where the rest is representative. Uh, yeah. Whereas all these smaller devs don't do that. They mm-hmm. just give you access to the game, but in an unfinished state. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know how I feel about it, basically. I, mean, I don't know if you guys have played any stuff recently that's made you any thoughts on that. I know I'm, I've kind of tend to focus more on the PC stuff, perhaps, than, than you See, guys. I, I don't so much. I, I've moved away from PC in, in recent yeah, years. Yeah, it's fair enough. Um, so no, I don't really have anything to add. The well, best demos are the ones that... Um, like Half-Life Uplink. I'm not sure if you've played it. Half-Life Uplink? Yeah, yeah. The, the demo is called Uplink and um, it just reused assets from the game but built another mini campaign where you had to reach an Uplink tower. And uh, yeah, it was it was really fun and it was my first exposure to the game. Of course, that never appeared in the actual game but it gave you a taste of the systems and some of the mechanics. and, and Kind all of showed that. you what the game would be like. Right. Yeah. But then I remember being excited actually when I realised after playing the demo, when I started playing the game, realizing that the demo wasn't anything to do with the yeah, game. Yeah, that so was it, just... It's like in, was this before the, game the, the original Half-Life release? Because yeah. so, didn't Half-Life go through a massive change like quite late on? Didn't they completely redo it? So was not, this... I know they did with, um, with Half-Life 2. The opening was set on a boat, which is the boat that turns up at the end of um, episode, two. episode 2. So, yeah. 
I know they did that, but I'm not sure on the original Half-Life. But what mm. Uplink did, and in a, in a weird and kind of similar way to, right, you watch Arrested Development? No. Well, okay, well, yeah, at the, end of, <laughs> at the end of episodes of Arrested Development, it says up next on Arrested Development, and then there's a, like a filler skit that doesn't that, happen. That seemed yeah. that when you first watched the first episode, it would appear that that is a, a preview of the next episode. Never happens. Yeah. But it's so perfect at leading you into what next episode is probably entailing that you never feel like, oh, I actually wanted to see that because it's so fully formed. But with demos, there's this horrible, either we give you a vertical slice, and so you play like this, or we just give you the game in whatever state it is when we do it. And I think there's, there is a room for improvement, but I, I don't think demos will be will be around as they are now. I think with no. PlayStation 4, you'll just stream part of the game. Mm. And, you know... That's what they do already, isn't it? PlayStation Plus, don't you stream the first 60 minutes? Is that yeah. right? Full game, you download the full game trial and then after the hour, if you choose to buy it, you, yeah. you just... It's literally a I can see that unlock. I yeah. can see demos completely going away on the consoles. I just mm. think people will, with the well, they're just vastly expensive to make. Yeah, and also I think recently there have been a lot of games that have had real issues with it. Like I know there've been some games, a lot of interesting. I can't remember these specifically, but there've been some interesting interviews with developers saying that they've had these game demos which actually stopped sales of their game mm. because not because the game's bad, mm. but just because people felt like from the demo they could get if such that, a good Resident chunk Evil 5 of it. demo was terrible. One of the Resident yeah. Evil 5's demo is the worst demo I've ever played. Two sections of the game that are about an hour apart in actual game time. They, they No explanation given as to why, no systems explained, just gone, off you go. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> if that does happen and we start seeing this trend that people just rely on the first 60 minutes, say, to sell their game. Yeah. Are we going to see them being front-loaded with all the best stuff at the beginning? Possibly. I mean, because you often get that anyway. You often get most games... I mean, all good games start off with a bang anyway, yeah. I'd say. Um, Didn't that happen with the music industry? Like, I'm sure I read at some point that uh, whoever, like music creators make the first 30 seconds of their track really strong because that's what all the online stuff streams or used to stream, the mm. first 30 seconds, like a preview. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, get so if you, exactly, if you get your hook in... In that, but it does it does bring difficulties with pacing actually, and it does bring difficulties um, in terms of making sure it just makes things a bit less varied. Like actually, I think a game that would really suffer from that perhaps maybe might be The Last of Us, just because The Last of Us has an incredibly strong opening for five minutes, but then mm. actually you have a very slow patch after yeah. that, mm. and a lot of it people creates expectation of what the rest of the game might be. Yeah, but then that's the thing is, I think a lot of people I know who play The Last of Us, they've, there are two sorts of people. There are people who finished it and go, fucking hell, that's one of the best games I've ever played. Yeah. Or there are people who play it, go, wow, pretty strong intro, plod around for an hour, and then go, oh, I'm a bit bored of this now. The mm. second level's t- total shit. That's well, why. I don't think it is. I think it's one of no, these things that... Um, <laughs> <you're> <laughs> I think it's just, it's just being clever with the pacing. Yeah. And I think actually I, it's just a case of... of I think it's quite smart the way it paces itself. And I think that it's a difficulty. And I think this is, I disagree with lots of people about Red Dead and Mexico because I think Mexico at the time really pissed me off. And I thought, this is shit. But actually, in the grand scheme of things, I thought it was really smart because it created, in my mind, it created this sense of aimlessness. I was just, I got to a point in Mexico where I thought, what the fuck is this? Like, I've just been wandering around the desert doing jobs for bad people. And I feel like, I felt like I'd lost my way. I felt like my character was doing pointless shit. And then just at that point, at the end of Mexico, you, you almost feel like you link up with the character because he suddenly realizes, he suddenly clicks and goes, I've lost sight of what I'm supposed to be doing here. I've been wasting my time. I've just been getting embroiled in pointless violence that just drags out forever. And I thought that was a really strong way of making you feel attuned to the character. But it's difficult. And I think the idea of specifically making games boring um, is something that... It's risky. It's very risky. And I know a lot of people hate the Mexico stuff. And I, I didn't like it at the time, but in retrospect... I don't know if it was intentional. In retrospect, I thought it was kind of genius, but... I didn't mind it. But with The Last of Us, second level, I didn't mind that they slowed the pacing right down. I thought it was fine. But it was just, right, so now here's some open areas. Oh, good job these boxes are here. Otherwise, how would I defeat 700 people? It's just like, you set up this whole thing about the world's gone to shit, and you have that thing where you go to the checkpoint, and that's really cool. And I wanted a bit more City 17, yeah, yeah. a bit less Uncharted. If it gets um, rid of these extended tutorial sections, though, I'm all for that. The amount of games now yeah, that go honestly, on forever. I, I really don't want them anymore. No. And I know why they happened, and I get that. But the problem is now that it was at first because it was such a problem that you'd have to do these crap tutorial levels yeah. before you played a game. Mm. Uh, and I get that's why they did it, but now it's just like every game tries to do it, 
And every game tries to cover up the fact that they're doing it in exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. That now it's just as bad as it was before. It's just like, hey, this isn't a tutorial. Look, oh my God, the wall just exploded. Oh, you're in a base that's exploding and on fire. It's like, it's not boring. This is exciting. It's like, we've got to make sure it's exciting. And it's like, they just go to like, well, what's exciting? Explosions? Yeah, yeah let's yeah. make everything explode. Yeah. The tutorials are just, sorry, just, they just really wind me up because it's just a sign of poorly implemented game design at, at some, some of the time it can be because whatever the mechanic is, it should be conveyed in the game itself. There should be an instance where the player has to f- discover for him. If you discover what the principle is that you need to do in order to survive the mechanic, then you're going to remember it a lot clearer than walking around saying, press X to do this, press A to do this. If, if there's a point in the game where someone is coming at you and the only way to defend yourself is by hitting every button and then you come across the one button that actively defends your character it should feel natural situation. Yeah. that's what you're saying you know yeah. what Like the easiest way to do it is so easy it's just yeah. a case of when you start the game you make sure that these elements are not linked into the plot so you don't have to play a half an hour plot section where you do the tutorial mm. Mm. you have it separate somehow and actually doing something like that like you, you know like the, the, the uplink thing that's not a bad idea. Have, a, have it so it's like a mini campaign that maybe tells a side backstory of a smaller character. Or, yeah. Or, or something. pre-credit sequence, you know. Yeah, um, even just go, mm. look, like just start up. All you do is start the game and go, have you played a third-person shooter yeah. before? And you go, yes. And it goes, okay, cool. And then literally it just goes, here are the things that's slightly different about this one. Like that's mm. all it is. But, yeah. but games are so terrified of admitting there's only a couple of things different about them. Yeah. And that's why they come up with stupid, like Fuse is the worst for this. What is it? Like, oh, it's echelon mode. What is it? Oh, it's basically horde mode. It's like, yeah. Why isn't it fucking called that then? Like, they what? came up with that. What was the name they called it to hot swap between different characters? Oh, they made, they yeah. made it out as if it was some massive new. It's the, invent- the invention of terminology. Yeah. This is one of the biggest crimes of action no, games. Levolution. Levolution. Oh. There's so much of that. It's like, what? What? You, what? Fuck off. Yeah. When you were saying earlier, it's just um, to speak about Red Dead. Now, just get back on that for a second. Now, I played Red Dead at a review event. And I had, to, I had to complete it all in three days. Yeah. So, and they were long days, like nine or ten hour days each. But, you know, um, so I got through Mexico a lot faster than a lot of people simply because I was... You were caning it. Yeah. But I did spend a lot of time, you know, dicking around and I thought it was, you know, important to, you know, just do what you were doing. And what I love about Mexico is when you... Mexico is this kind of... It feels like the, the natural end of that era because... And the character, because when you leave Mexico after being lost in it for so long, yeah. you arrive in Blackwater, which is the future. There are cars, there are, you know, there's, you know, proper cobbled streets. That's where America is now. So to come out of Mexico, like the desert, in the, and he's lost and fucked, and so are you. You're like, oh, what's this car? Like, where are the horses? Like, nah, sorry, your dream is over. And so Mexico really nicely reinforces just being lost in your own world because when you come out of it, you're like, oh, it's all gone. So that's why it yeah. works. That's, that's the thing. I agree. And I think it, it's an interesting thing with Red Dead because people, I think, expect games to have consistent pacing sometimes. Mm. And I think sometimes that's actually a real mistake. And I think games that aren't consistent with their pacing are more exciting mm-hmm. because you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And I found that a lot with The Last of Us in the fact that um, early on, there was bits with clickers where you had to fight, like, get well, not fight, you had to get past quite a lot of them. And I, just I was concerned dying. that the game was going to yeah. become that. I was like, fucking hell, this game is hard. Because yeah. there was a bit where you had to get past a clicker and some runners. And I had to restart it like 12 times. Is it where you it... drop down in the office? Yes. 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 Yeah. <laughs> and that, that is basically, that's the game going, this is fucking hard. Mm. But it's nice because the fact that you have to keep doing it reinforces the fact that these things are really dangerous. Mm. And then it means that actually, that's probably the game's peak in difficulty for fighting clickers and stuff. Yeah. Maybe it's not so much the consistent pacing as well. Maybe it's the fact that, because as people say, the time that you spend with games is shorter and shorter, the fact that people expect consistent enjoyment out of their games. Mm. Like you say, you have to get through the shit of, mm. t- shit of time in Mexico to then have that revelation of um, back into the US. It's that sense of, well, you've then got to commit, say, four or five hours into yeah. this time where you might be saying, well, I'm having a pretty shit time here. But then to get to that, you know, contrast. that's that is it, and this is the problem I think with long narrative games. I mm. can't remember who it was, but I was reading um, some stuff recently about Fifty Cent Blood in the Sand, which is a game which a lot of of, of games journalists kind of have a weird obsession and love yeah, for. Yeah, and I'm one of them. I'm one of them as it's well. A guilty pleasure, isn't it? Really, it's a guilty pleasure, but also I think it taps in something. I, I apologize, I can't remember the writer who talked about this, but I wrote read a games thing talking about how it's just like. 
in these increasingly, like most third-person shooters now have a narrative arc. And it's why a lot of time you don't play these games. And a lot of people I know haven't played The Last of Us still for this reason. It's that you know it's an investment. You know mm. it's going to be amazing, but you also know that you've got to sit down and play it for four hours, like in a chunk to really get the most out of it. Whereas 50 Cent Blood and Sand, you know you can put it straight into a machine and within five seconds you'll be doing the exact thing that you'll be doing throughout the entire game. Yeah. <laughs> Just <laughs> diving sideways with infinite slow-mo. Mm. Give me my shooting score. people in the head while swearing. And it's like there's something about that. I think if you're going to have a narrative game, then I think having that kind of rough texture is good. And especially what I loved in Last of Us, no spoilers at all, but there were bits where I genuinely didn't know how things were going to pan out mm-hmm. just because it had patches of the game where there were, wasn't any violence. And so most games, whenever you have a situation where it's like, hey, I'm a friendly character, you're like, fuck off, you're a friendly character. We are three minutes past our due date for violence, which means in two seconds, some guy's going to bounce through the room and we're going to have a gunfight. Because yeah. it's like that is, it's like clockwork. All the players are going to get bored. We've got to do some violence. Um, whereas in that, it was like quite early on, I was like, I don't fucking know what's going to happen. Like, I didn't know who I could trust because the game had been really erratic with that. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas otherwise, if you just want a game where you just want to play, and I think that's the appeal of racing games, and I think racing games in a way have made a rob for their own back by creating these extensive like, career modes and yeah. stuff. Mm. Again, though, they fall into the same pattern. You start with a slow car, and then you work your way up. Yeah. Like, they, are, they are predictable, yeah. just as a game like Call of Duty maybe. you know. Um, I don't know. I guess maybe they're moving away with that. The, the thing about Forza 5, I won't talk about this too long because it's still a little bit boring, but they claim that it's not, a campaign in the sense that a normal campaign would be. So there's no start point and end point. You can jump into any competition anywhere within the game whenever you want, and yeah. you just and you just level up constantly. There's no end level cap. You just keep going, and it's kind of a game that you just jump in when you want to play it. Rather well, than... I think that's smart. And you know what? Actually, one of the things uh, you've probably noticed if you listen to podcasts for a while that roguelikes have become a bit of an obsession of mine in recent months mm. and i think the reason for that is because even though they are these incredibly deep long games um you can just play them for a minute and i think that's the it's that blend of, of working out a game design whereby you can play it for four minutes and have the equal enjoyment as four hours yeah and it's that lack of it's like you don't have to commit you know that you could just play it for 10 minutes but you know if you want to you can keep playing it for long and you'll still get this, a similar experience it's you're good not playing to it to get to that point where you have that moment the moment is always there for you yeah it's immediate yeah. that's it it's like the experience of playing the game yeah. is there you don't switch it on like the amount of times I've stopped playing games because either A I know that I have to get through a boring bit or B I know that it's already in a really intense bit and I'm like I'm not ready for ramping up to it like I, I mean, case in point, like Devil May Cry 3, I stopped playing that just because I, I took a break for a couple of days, a really hard boss fight. Mm. And when I kept going back and trying to learn the game again, I was like, I can't do it. I've, <laughs> I've lost my mojo. The thing is, though, overall, I think I'll get, I get a great sense of satisfaction out of investing more time into something. And that, like, I feel like that's a greater payoff come yeah. the end than all of the individual immediate type. Totally. But, do you know what I mean? but that's why I think that actually, like, that's why I think games like Skyrim are so much more popular than games like The Witcher. Because The Witcher I find much more satisfying mm. because it has like this awesome story and scope. And when you get into the groove with it, it's the sort of thing where you sit back and just go, fucking hell, this is awesome. Like, it really blows you away. But Skyrim, you can literally switch it on, kill a dog, look in a cave. Mm. And they'll be like, oh, I found a magic sword. Done. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of because of that, it hasn't got the same richness and I find a lot of time my problem with Skyrim is I liked it but after a while it's like you just opening oh another ancient magical chest oh it's another magical sword yeah. and it's like you, you kind of get to the point where you've quickly seen everything the game has to offer it's why I don't get on with Borderlands as well I'll, yeah, I'll, I won't, yeah. even though the storyline's good I will play Borderlands while listening to music because I'm doing this like you say it's the same thing over and over again but I don't pay attention to the numbers on the guns or whatever that's it and actually I kind of in a way I kind of enjoyed the first Borderlands I, I, Borderlands 2 I know is a much better game but I kind of enjoy the first Borderlands a bit more just because the story was so chunky that it was just like whatever mm. it was literally just like an RPG it was like playing Diablo it was like go into mm. this area kill five of these kill ten of these and I just enjoyed the mindlessness of it again yeah. I think I just sat and played it with a mate of mine split screen yeah and we were just chatting bollocks whilst doing it it is one like you say like the difference like you say between Skyrim and The Witcher you can't detach yourself from 
the experience at any time with the Witcher because you could miss that crucial yeah. piece of information. Whereas Skyrim, you do just and also you'll moment. die. Like the Witcher's combat is oh, like it's, it's brilliantly intense. Like yeah. you just if you walk into it being like oh yeah, killing monsters in the woods is like you can get fucked up by tiny little things yeah. just because it's like yeah they're poisonous. Yeah. Sort of game that when it says like creatures are poisonous, it doesn't fuck about with that. It's <laughs> not like oh no, I might have to carry some green herbs. It's like don't get hit by it or you'll probably die. Like and I like that, but. Yeah, it's this investment of time. Yeah. And I think it's difficult. It's, especially, do you think that just this is a generational thing as well? Because I think I don't watch films anymore because it feels like, oh, that's going to have a whole two hours. Like, possibly. Mm. Possibly. Um, but then we're the same generation. We're, yeah, I guess but so. I watch films differently, though. I mean, and then I, well, actually, in the cinema, which is, I st- I'm still that guy. When I go to the cinema, I like everyone to just shut the fuck up. Okay, because I paid to sit in a dark room. Yeah, oh, I'm the same as that. Anymore, but I hate that. Someone gets no their phone out. Anymore. But then yeah. this is. But when I'm at home, I am that guy. If I'm watching a movie, out comes the phone, and it's not. I'm not necessarily distracted by. You know, I'm not just on Twitter. But mm. I might be on. You know, something related to the movie. So maybe you have a second screen target. What before, you bloody fucking Captain Smartglass? If, <laughs> if I've seen it before, I'm on TV tropes. Just like yeah, really. But, it, oh, but with television you're as well. <laughs> But, you're you're the problem with this industry before, burns. What's going if on? <laughs> but the, the best way to watch television, like reality TV, is to simply fire Twitter. up Twitter, yeah. go to Discover, and type in whatever it's called, and just that's more entertaining than. To be honest, yeah, I mean that's actually like that was how the um, the abridged video started. Like literally, was just that was because we were just watching the uh, conferences and just sitting on Twitter and making mm, jokes. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, it's been like this for a while, but it's been like the the real fun of those big conferences has been sitting on Twitter and trying to make the funniest jokes yeah, about it. Yeah, absolutely. And that was all it was, was. I sat on Twitter making funny jokes and then on the way to work, I just thought, I wonder if I clipped all those jokes together and made a video about it. It might be quite funny. It turned out it, it was all right. But, uh, <laughs> it but, went well. But that's, that's the thing. It's Yeah, I don't know. It's a weird one. But I mean, demos, I think, are interesting just to go back to it because it is this problem of how we're going to face that, especially with... It seems like with narrative games, there is the answer of doing that, mm-hmm. of being like, maybe give people a slice of the game that's not a slice of the game. Mm. Just pure um, gameplay rather than any narrative because of the context is missing. But what you were saying about um, the PC aspect, it sounds like you're paying to be part of the QA process, which is yeah. really tough because everyone I've spoken to who works in QA, the last thing they want to do when the game is finished is play the game. Yeah. Because they yep. played so much of it when it's not... <laughs> Burns is like... Yeah, this is veteran Burns. Because Burns, you, you were like QA on Burnout Paradise. Everything. And Paradise. you hate that game now. Which I find like really sad because I think Burnout Paradise is probably my favourite racing game ever. I got my got my copy of it. Names in the credits, and I just went fuck that noise. It's not even out of cellophane. I got it what six years ago. What? But well, like why he hates I... it because he's playing well, too not much. That I, it's not that I, hate, you know, I do hate it, but for a logical reason that when you play it for fucking forty hours a week mm. for like five or six months, you probably. But it's just, but you're absolutely crazy that when people. This is, how to put it right? I said it before. Sean Baby, internet satirist, says when your hobby becomes your job, when you come back, you don't necessarily want to do the same thing because you think after a hard day of Hulkamania, Hulk Hogan wants to come back home to steel cage match. No, he does not. No matter how fun <laughs> that might be, and it's just really nicely summed up how you know, it's like, okay, you play video games all day, yeah. Would you? Oh, so it's awesome. No, I just run into bins. Oh, <laughs> all right, yeah. Oh, okay, that's that's not fun. And with the with burnout with demos. I remember a large chunk of the team being pulled for the PlayStation Network demo. And it just had so many problems with it. You could get out because it had to be ring-fenced because it's an open world. You could get out of the world. Like in the first in the first Saints Row demo for the first game, there was like just a big force field. by yeah. we, And if you parked your car with the driver's side by it and hit uh, open yeah. door, you would open the door through the force field. And it's just shit like that. You just have to be, you have to be actually quite creative. Yeah. And we managed to get out of Burnout's world by, um, and this is the guy who went on to become one of the game directors for Far Cry 3. And he's, <laughs> I think he's on the division now. Um, he, would, he was like, right, put your car there, get a sports car. So it's like a wedge and drive the other truck and, you, and you'll shoot off over the collision. I was like, course you will nah did and i was like what so that ruined everyone's weekend because it was like everyone's got to come back now and fix that it's like oh so yeah the demos just they cost too much this is it i was when i was really young i remember me and uh my mate uh sean bell who's midnight resistance guy um we both had a plan because they opened up qa for black and white we were like, oh my god, pay a money new game. We were going we to try and arrange it for, the, for our summer holiday to go and see if we could do like QA for a couple of weeks for Black and White in Guildford. 
and I'm so glad we didn't <laughs> because it probably would have I probably wouldn't be working in the industry I don't know I just sort of think if I I don't know maybe I would have loved it as a stupid kid being like oh I'm playing the same five seconds of yeah. the game forever but it does seem pretty outish but yeah as you say this, this is the problem with it is it's nice to be committing to it but it is it is a big catch 22 if you're the one investing to play a demo of a game that you like the sound of then it means you're kind of playing a game in an unfinished state Mm. Where, and then there's that sense because they rely on the community feedback not only to support the game in terms yeah. of monetarily but also community feedback to say what's wrong with this game to, yeah. then, to then improve the next aspect like Prison Architect I mean I don't play PC but I know that's been in alpha for mm. so long now they keep releasing new alpha builds based on what the community have said and also like I'm not, game, I'm not convinced at the whole community feedback thing to be honest I know it makes me sound like oh it's bloody time to be bloody dictator, Pol Pot, etc. <laughs> Not Pol Pot. But I don't think it's always a wise idea. I think sometimes when you, if you just ask what, if you literally go, what do you want? What do you want in the game? Then I don't think you always get valuable feedback. Mm. I think because the answer is always content. I think that's, that's the answer. It's always mm. more of this. And I think if you've already got a really strong um, th- sort of setup for your game, like the core of it is still really strong. And it's, it's built... It's made to be built around the addition of content. That's fine. Like the Magicka Wizard Wars games I played recently. That looks really smart just because they've made a game which is like, the base of this is good. And now they're just going to basically update it being like, do you want more maps? Do you want more weapons? Mm. Do you want more outfits? And that's fine because it means people can ask them for specific things like, oh, can I have a, a robe that looks like this? And they can go, yeah, we'll make that. Mm. But it won't change the game. But the thing about this Delver game I've played is I, I haven't looked into what people are asking for. But... I just sort of feel like the actual core of the experience isn't there. And I feel like a lot of people don't have the ability to kind of dissect game design enough to ask for that. And especially if you are listening to the, the majority, a lot of people know which games are good and which games aren't good. But no offense, like they're not good at explaining why yeah. the games are yeah, good. Yeah. And I think that actually a lot of the time, especially now, there's a lot of beef um, that consumers have with games journalism. Obviously, they think we're all on a take. They think we're all like corrupt. They think we're all idiots. Um, they think that we all spend a lot, of, a lot of time blubbing over emotional games and failing to appreciate when games are just fun. Mm. And I think that's there's some truth to that. And especially, I think, with the way we talk about games like Call of Duty, often we just go, oh yeah, Call of Duty is mechanically really good and just shrug that off as if like, that's not worth talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Mm. As if, oh, of course it's really well made and has an impeccable reward system that keeps people addicted for months. But as if that's like, oh, but I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about emotions beyond. and beyond to a soul. And you know, these are all valid complaints. But when you get down to the brass tacks of it, there are reasons why a lot of people who are paid to review games are paid to review games. It's because they are good at explaining and dissecting why things work or why they don't. Some people aren't. A lot of There are a lot of journalists in this industry who are shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I do think that when you have a game that's in a really basic state like Delver, I'm playing it and I'm like, you know what? This isn't a good game yet. It's not a good game. There isn't enough atmosphere. The monsters don't feel frightening. It doesn't feel like there's enough of a learning curve. I think a good roguelike should kill you, but every time you die, you should feel like you've learned something rather than you just maybe didn't see the monster in time. Um, I feel like the actual base of it is not right, but I feel like if they just follow feedback from the masses, I worry they're not going to get that. I worry they're going to get like, put dragons in it. Mm. Um, I just think it's really difficult. I mean, I, 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 this is a funny one because this is similar to what we talk about with video. Like, should you listen to comments on the internet? Yeah, yeah. But I, I think mean, you should, but I think it's very difficult to work out what's valid and what's not. Well, there's no, there's no answer, is there? It's no. just, it's a case by case thing. I'm, if someone comes up with something that you think is a reasonable point, then yeah, sure. I, you know, I think community feedback is helpful. I just, it depends on how much you value it. You can't, you can't base it on what the majority are saying. Yeah, because I think that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. On the internet, it's very hard to allow the cream to rise to the top because of the way that comments work. That the, the, the earliest one, the latest one, goes to the top. There's no way to decipher right. Well, these people provide good, supportive feedback that is always good to take on board. You know, it's always every video, every game, every response. There are going to be sections where it's filled with just pure nonsensical feedback, which is either this game shit. Zero, you know, and that's the basis of the I comment. guess it comes back to the fact that democracy works. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like the, the problem is the idea with this community feedback thing of being, oh, we're just doing it for the fans, we all listen to fans, we'll do what they want, is that it's not really... Well, it's trying to pretend they're not doing it in a democratic way. They're doing it like, if, if those people want this, then we'll put that in. And it's to give them the idea that they've helped shape the game but that I they're going to play, bollocks, I guess. But I think it's bollocks, and I think it's, it is bollocks. And that's what annoys me, actually, sometimes. I don't is, disagree. Is... 
I think that A, it doesn't work very well. And also B, that's, that might sound controversial, but B, I honestly think that developers say it and don't mean it. And the amount of times that I've been interviewing high-end devs about games and talking about how, oh yeah, we always, we always listen to feed, fan feedback, we always change the game to save fans. You sort of like look at them and go, yeah, yeah you don't do you like you do they don't even do they don't even do that professionally what like a lot of the reason why some people who work in qa and are in like elevated positions or not just come in go on to be working video games journalism or criticism is because they have to very accurately tell the guy who made the game what exactly is wrong with it yeah and i remember when i was like a team lead on Empire Total War, at the end of the shift, I would have to file a confidence report, which basically told PR teams and marketing teams and whatever, everything that was wrong with that build and why it was wrong. And a confidence even, report? Yeah, uh, yeah. As in, <laughs> as in not confidential, but as no, in... No, 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 as in how confident you felt about, about that build the and the regression, that you, so the, the bugs that you were having to test. Wow. And so, but even then, there's this weird, and in the companies I worked for, there was this weird thing where... You had this three-part, you know, three-part fight. So it was like Dev hated Test because Dev thought Test was a bunch of kids who knew nothing and they built the game. So come on. <laughs> Test hated Dev because they never listened to anything they said until someone more senior said it. And they went, oh, well, we weren't told that. You were. And production hates everyone because nothing fucking works. That's the, <laughs> you know. So for them... Video I, games. And, and so for... The community guys were like, oh, we're really listening to all the feedback. You're not, you're not listening to your own guys who you pay to tell you. Well, this is the thing. And I, I, I kind of, I don't like the fact that it's just, it's a perpetuated myth and it really boils down to everything. I think you do need to listen to feedback and you do need to pay attention mm. to it. You can't ignore it. But I think that what people don't say is that the truth of it is that you'll get 100 bits of feedback and 90 bits of it will be absolute bollocks. But then a mm. couple of people will say things that make you think, that's a really good point. Yeah. And you act on that. But they talk about it as if it is this big kind of socialist movement and like, oh, oh you all have a relevant voice. And it's the myth of the 21st century. Yeah. And it's just, in games particularly, it's just a bit, I find it a bit insepid. And I, I, especially with all this early access stuff and green light. Well, gamers are naturally very vocal, passionate people because I guess it is towards the younger end of... It's true. Of, and there's this belief that we all have a relevant voice that should be listened to. Yeah. Well, we don't, mm. unfortunately. Um, mm. That's not how the world works. There you go. A bit of a downer. Sorry about that. Sorry. No, it's um, pick things I, up. That's exactly what I was trying to say, but much better put. I just find it <laughs> annoying when they use it as a marketing tool. And yeah. you know what? It's like, I think that especially, I'm not sure how much they've done this yet because I haven't been in the meetings, but especially with a game like Dragon Age 3, I can tell that they're going to, all the interviews, they're going to be like, you know, oh, mm. fans really didn't like Dragon Age 2 and we've really listened to everything that's been said and we've taken into account all the things that people want. And it's like bollocks, right? The problem with Dragon Age 2 was it was a crap game, right? And you didn't need to be told that by <laughs> fans. It was like you'd, you rushed it. And you can say all you want about the fact that you've taken all this data and stuff and really listened to people, but actually, you knew it was crap when you put it out. You knew it was a bit crap. Hmm. So let's oh, yeah. just not fucking lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. have all, the, all the dev team, well, I mean, I can't speak for Dragon Age, but for the projects that I worked on, towards the end of the project, there'd be something called uh, CAD would um, would pop into... You've told uh, me this before, I think. So, like, you have your bug rankings from A downwards. So, A is, like, it's it's broken. And, it, you know, you'll never pass a mission with, like, two of those, even one. B's pretty bad. C's, nah. And then D and E are just, like, you know, very technical issues. Um, but, yeah, at the end of a project, you'll start to see a lot of closed as designed so it's not a bug, it's actually a, uh, it's actually a feature. And the amount of times it'll just come back in the little... Because they, like, they have very sophisticated systems. and They have like a whole bug tracking database that's sold by a third party. And it's incredibly flexible. And yeah, suddenly that just starts creeping. And you know that it's not going... Well, they just stand and be like, oh, here we go. And that's literally... Back, as designed. It can't be as designed, it's broken. Oh. That is literally the, the exact game development equivalent of the waiter, there's a fly in my seat. Yeah, so they, they have all of that data. They have... So you'll never... Uh, I think there's um, some rule or maxim that after a certain tens of thousands of lines of code, it cannot be bug-free. And so if you, you see, like, to, yeah. it's, a, it's a bug free project. No, it's not, because it just can't be. It's not possible, yeah. So they'll have all of that data, you know, and they'll be like, right, so what's the, what's the fix rate or the percentage rate and how many bills do we have to have, how many submissions do we have to have? They have all the data they possibly need. And for Dragon Age, 
They'll then do the data mining on the back end. So they fixed fight night, didn't they? They changed the telemetry. They had the telemetry data. So when every time you played and used the right stick to fight, it would show how often you actually hit the right way of doing it. Right. And so then they simplified it because people like, couldn't do it. Because they messed up. Right. Exactly. So then they changed it. But that's ne- not necessarily for the better, you know, because it more simplified in EA MMA than it was for fight night. Yeah. And so they have all of that. And they know where they've gone. They know where they've gone wrong because as soon as a project ships, a man takes them upstairs and says, it's fucking rubbish, basically. <laughs> you know, because, or they'll say, you know, they have a big post-mortem like we do, even in our jobs after a big event. Yeah. yeah. You know, and they say, what what went right? What went wrong? How do we fix it? Dragon Age 2, I can only suggest when... So, yeah, let's just not do that again. <laughs> Any of that. So I mean, yeah, I, I guess they, they just... They, I don't know what the problems were behind it, but it felt like they just, for whatever reason, uh, either they needed to kind of get it out quickly or they had a problem with development and it got, things got stretched. I don't know what the problem was, but they, it was clearly a project with problems. Hmm. And that the idea that they just pulled the the idea that they just lazily crept out as if fans wouldn't notice it's mm. like no they're not that stupid like it was, it was clearly a game with problems but i don't think they were like ah fuck it no one will notice <laughs> like, oh, no, they, they all know and, and that's what really what i really hate about the kind of press junkets that, that start before you know like previews like this is this is definitely the best of ever. it's like those adverts for like I don't know shampoo, where it's like compared to compared to our last one, it's a thousand times better. Well, that was a thousand times better than the last one. Yeah. When does this, you know, and yeah. it just keeps on going through, and they're so on message. You just want someone to go, look, I'm really sorry, we totally fucked up. I love it when a new FIFA comes out and they go, this is what happened in the last, and it's like the wireframe models yeah, have been fucking up. up. <laughs> it's like yeah. this is terrible. <laughs> well, six <laughs> months ago it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> six months ago, this is the best thing you've ever made. <laughs> now it's a load of shit. <laughs> Here's the new one. Yeah, the new ones going out. Fuck off with that one. Yeah. Get a quid at that down the shops. That's <laughs> uh, pretty true. I, I should caveat actually, just uh, just so I'm not uh, appearing to be an absolute Nazi. That when I say about people not like knowing, it's not that people don't know what's wrong and what's right with mm. games. It's that people often aren't good at exactly elaborating and exactly pinpointing. Like you're saying, of being able to pinpoint exactly why something's wrong. A lot of people aren't good at that um, because it's quite, it's a skill. I mean, you know, the thing is I used to work, my first job was in market research and my job was to get normal people who'd played a video game for an hour to sit in a room and talk about what they liked about the game and what they didn't like about it. And it was my job to decode that information Mm. because often people, there are common trends and common themes in what people say, um, but you have to work out why they're saying that because they right, often then, yeah. people say i don't like this and you have to really the problem is people say this was shit and you go why was it shit and they go because of this and you have to actually press them with like three or four questions to work out exactly why they didn't like that before you work out what is wrong mm. and the idea that you can take that information from a thousand different um messages in a forum post or comments characters on yeah like uh, it's just it's just not true and um you know the idea that everyone has the ability to express what is mechanically good or bad about games when 90 percent of people on the internet don't even bother to bloody spell check what they've written is just insane so uh sorry guys but yeah it's just fucking mental it'll be interesting to see what happens with trials frontier which I played. Well, at. I wanted to bring this up because you've seen a lot of this Ubisoft stuff. Yeah, recently. I was there. I was there yesterday, at Digital Days, and you know everyone loves Trials. Yeah. So there's a new um, mobile tablet version. It's all free to play, right? Yeah, it's, all... it's free to play. So I sit down. Didn't like the trailer. I'm like, I'm going to play some Trials. Focused on what you could unlock. I was yeah. like, brilliant. But, Thanks. But then you've instead of just getting on with it, and I actually spoke to the creative director, and I said, I'm not worried that. People just want to get on playing trials because now are like a, a hub world around it. Right. So you enter the frontier as like a post-apocalyptic town, <laughs> but it's played for laughs. It's not like you know it's all kind of like hand drawn. And so you, you arrive and you know someone else is the the head guy, the head biker, and you have to upgrade <laughs> your bike and and all of this. And I just said to him, yeah, but I just want to just want to ride the bike. Mm. And and he was like, well, play it essentially. So I played it and I was like, actually, it does. It's, it's the feedback loop so far is really good because obviously what you do in trials doesn't last very long does it feel like trials it does how does it work do you have to tilt the tablet or the no, phone or? you um gas is on your right thumb and then um it's like a virtual stick or? no it's just it's two buttons and then there's another two buttons to lean left or right oh. so it's it's it's, it's, that it's simple. simple enough it, it it works um but it was it was an interesting example of how to how to build something out. But actually, hold on. Let me let me compose myself here. Yep. Because 
yeah, this I think a lot of people are having this. They can't get their mindset right on whether it's a good or a bad thing because Trials seems perfect for mobile gaming. You pick it up, play it for a while, you crash, you die, you get the elation of winning, mm-hmm. and now there's another game built around it. I'm not really sure how I feel about it, although I do know it's quite slick. Well, the thing about games as well is there are two different levels to games, and this is the difficulty, is the fact that you've got good and bad in terms of, obviously, that's subjective, but you've got, is this critically good? Is this, a, is this something that has been crafted? And that can be crafted in terms of like aesthetic or it can be crafted in terms of design. You can realize they've put something together that's interesting, that's behind, underneath the surface, that works really elegantly. Mm. And that's why like good fighting games are good. Mm. Um, but then you've also got the fact that literally we are, we are machines. Our brains function like machines. And if you, it's like Pavlovas and dogs. If you keep feeding dogs raspberry Pavlovas and ring a bell, uh, something happens. Um, that's a psychology joke, sorry. Um, but yeah, it's, someone out there is going yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a, I'm a psych grad, and you know, I, I chair in uni, laughing. Hopefully, yeah, <laughs> psychologist. Yeah, I did loads of psychology stuff, and it's, you realise that now these feedback loops and stuff you're talking about, like they've got that nailed down to an art now, right? So you can build games where they're literally just built around giving you a pleasing sort of drip feed like of serotonin and yeah it is like you are a test and it means you know sorry it sounds like ooh, but is are you playing the game or is the game playing you like mm. and especially with stuff like farmville and cow clicker which was made to be a parody of farmville which ended up being successful for the same reason that farmville <laughs> is even though it's a game where all you do is log on to facebook once every six hours and click on a picture of a cow and get a point that was really that got yeah. fifty thousand players it's the same principle though with like like you say with psychology with like skinner where you don't even have to do anything sometimes and the game rewards you for it but, mm, precisely. but not for the thing that you've done and that's that's another thing that gets into like, hot water in terms of the relationship between gamers and um, games journalists. We play so many games that when we play games, you go, there's no craft to this. It's literally just tickling my brain in a pleasing way mm. because it's been built like that with a blueprint. Mm. Then, you know, you often don't give it a good review score and often people go, but it's a fun game. How I had loads of fun. I played this for 50 hours and it's like, yeah, but it's... You know, we, we, we don't review chemical solutions. It's, it's like, you know, <laughs> it's like, you know t- having two ecstasy pills and taking ecstasy pills and saying, that's oh, the that's thing, a great ecstasy it? pill. Uh, it's really well made. Like, it's, just like, it's just a combination of, of chemicals. Like, it's, thing, it's like, do, you, do you review art or do you review something based on technically how well, on its merit? Do you know what I mean? That's the and, thing. Uh, and I think we have to look at it from, especially because it's, it's, it's science. It's like, you know, yes, yeah. art or science. I guess that's the. We it's can, like if you, you copied a blueprint. If you copied a blueprint, it's like if yeah. I if I built a post box and then I've been like, oh, I look at this post box, isn't it pretty? And I'm like, that's really nice. And then <laughs> you literally stolen my blueprints and made that exact same post box, but then written Dave's post box on it and made it a different color. Would it be fair for everyone to go, yeah, well, it's, it's still it's a good post box though, isn't it? It's just because, as fun. And everyone going, yeah, but it's exactly the same post box <laughs> yeah. as that one. It's like, yeah, but it's it's nice, so I'll give it an eight. <laughs> it's got my face on it. I'm enjoying it. It's got a picture of Dave on it. Yeah. We talked about this yesterday, didn't we, about Tiny Tower when I had that, that light bulb moment where. I I, 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 when I first started playing it I couldn't sleep if say 20 minutes after I went to bed I knew that I needed to restock the shelves so I would stay up purposefully to then get more money the next day and then I had a sudden light bulb moment where I realized all I was doing was sending people up and down the lift and I realized it was actually pretty shit madness madness tiny tower is shit and actually I'm glad you said that because um, yeah I I had me and uh, my friend uh, John Blythe log on the internet had a big argument with a bunch of people once at a Christmas party or something like in someone's (laughs) living room when everyone was playing tiny tower and me and log just went yeah, but guys, me and Log were the only people who were like, it's fucking shit. It's not a game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And all these people who were like in the games industry going, oh no, it's fun. It's like, no, it's not. Like, yeah. Don't waste your fucking life with that shit. Come you're, on. You're working as a, a, just a lift guy, putting people up and down, correct floor, and then that's it. That's all you're doing is waiting for people to walk into a lift. I honestly think, and it sounds like a ridiculous cliche, but I think that's the point at which games are playing you. And it's like, mm. all you're getting out of that relationship, right, is distraction. Mm. And I'm not like somebody who's like, thinks games should be art and stuff. But if the only thing you're getting out of a video game is distraction from real life. And it's not just, you know, why? Because mm. you've got games like Borderlands 2 that give you distraction from real life and a bit of flair, a yeah. bit of craft. So just sort your life out. Steve, yeah. <laughs> could I ask you very quickly about two games that you saw yesterday or the day You can. Um, so Child of Light uh-huh. and... I've forgotten his name. Valiant... We talked about these earlier when we didn't have any games, Steve. Va- and I did, now. but then we got sidetracked. And Valiant Hearts, is Valiant... that correct? Valiant, Valiant Hearts and... Heart? Child of Light. Child of Light. Because it seems to me almost like Ubisoft have created UBR framework. That's mm-hmm. right, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Almost as like a kind of game maker type tool. Obviously, I know it's an engine that functions just as any other engine would, but it's almost like they're experimenting with it. They're just throwing all different people at it to see what they can come up with and see what sticks. Mm. Is that fair? 
I, th- I spoke to a chap who was kind of head of uh, a lot of European studios, and I asked him this because I saw uh, that engine at work when I went to see Rayman Legends in Montpellier, and he said, "I was like, so, you know, does it feel that we're actually getting towards a time where you don't just have custom built engines for everything, with the new hardware being so similar to PCs?" You know, you'll just now instead of the console being the platform or the game being the platform, surely you just now UBR is the thing that a lot of things come out of. Like your work is the is the platform now, rather than just a specific console engine or a specific PC engine as how it used to be way back when SNES and Mega Drive games had to be different. You had to make it differently, right? And he was like, yeah, pretty much. And so, but he wasn't like now everyone has to use it. He says, I've seen it in action. It's incredibly flexible. You can just snap things in and out of it. It's a kind of what you see is what you get. Yeah. You don't have to code it, wait for it to, you know, kind of render and then come back. And that's what I mean. So they're putting these tiny little teams from that form part of a bigger team that are on different yeah. projects. So they've got Montreal doing um, Child of Light. Yeah, and it is, it's, it's incredibly flexible and the results are very good. And Ubisoft has always been a company, well, in the last few years certainly, that pushes design as much as tech and Ansel is probably the main man for that so Rayman's always look gorgeous and if you play Rayman on PlayStation now like original PlayStation okay I'll be rough around the edges but in terms of direction it's art still really good so like Akami for example and so its engine is is built because people they think are moving away from that massive triple-A man with well, that's gun. the thing, right? Because like, Valiant Hearts can exist. You say that, but Ray, Rayman, which was built on that engine, is still released as... I don't think it was full price eventually. I think it was slightly yeah, below slightly slightly price. price. But I just, I mean, in terms still of not in that, it's still not in that lower tier of digital price range. No, but how it looks. As in, there's a whole... like There was an aesthetic for video games at the kind of end of last generation and through yeah, a lot definitely. of this... Uh, a lot of teal, a lot of you know, a lot of grunginess and a lot of grittiness, yeah. and I, you know, I think that. But I guess what I'm getting at is, we've had Rayman, which is at that standard mm-hmm. on that engine. Are these now sort of micro projects that they're kind of experimenting with, not that confident in, and they're just going to put them out in the digital marketplace because they can? I think what they've learned with Rayman is actually quite interesting. Is the fact they can reuse the assets, and I think mm-hmm. that's what's smart about Rayman is the fact that obviously they had Rayman Origins, and then they had the Rayman running game jungle run on mm-hmm. phones oh, i played the new ones and that, good uh, yeah i mean they're fun they're different like i don't like them as much because they're not rayman completely and i bloody love rayman but it's still fun and it's clever because you're like oh shit you just use the music and the art assets to make a different mm. game on a phone and i think that's the, the clever thing about that whole framework because mm. it's mm. not i mean actually especially even in what's it called um the division the way that they've got like the uh, ipad stuff you can do with that or like you know, the tablet thing of it's like oh yeah the engine in the game is like super hd but then the engine also scales down into a lower res mm. version yeah. so yeah. it's like you can what they it's, are pushing like it's impressive that. like it's yeah. it, the, the, i think what they've gone for is scalable systems which i think yeah. in an increasingly weird market where i mean everyone's acting in the industry like next gen's gonna fix everything but actually it's like i don't know like everything's no. going all over the place now you've got to have games that will run on ipads and on next gen consoles the yeah. console is no longer the base anymore the system that is sort of where Every game then runs service from. based, not hardware yeah. based. And I think if you look at say films, for example, you know they don't. You know those productions that they make that always run into trouble. Yeah, those are the ones where they build bespoke sets. Mm. And like there are so many famous movies where if you watch them, I think there's a whole guide to this on the internet. Like The Matrix is very famous for this. Some of those sets are from movies that came out the year before. Mm. And it's like. <laughs> Isn't that and in television you see it all the time, like the house that did I don't know King's Speech is always one. Yeah, like and in television you're like, isn't that the friend set? You know, and you may, maybe you notice it, but they dress it differently. And I think that that's what you want in in a good engine. Um you want the flexibility well, I've always, to make it look I've always said like one of the things I find depressing about video games is the lack of reuse of assets. And actually just you think about how many games have come out since GTA 4 that have redesigned their own version of New York? And it's like, oh man, I wish, I wish Rockstar could just go, just fucking use ours, like yeah. buy it off us. Mm. Because it's literally like, Rockstar made the best version of New York yeah. with GTA 4 and it's still not been bested. Mm. And it's literally like, to see other games like being like, oh look, it's a game in New York. It's like, you built that again from scratch. Yeah. Mm. It's like, what? what? It's like finding out like, you know, someone's just started baking a cake and you're like, oh, we've got like yeah. a massive bag of half-open flour already. Why yeah. have you bought more? They, they buy engines, they don't buy the assets, which is, a, a, like you say, it's a thing where if everyone uses that shared commodity aspect, it's almost, I might be on the wrong track, but it feels almost like the little big planet approach where yeah. everything is done in and of itself instead of 
creating these bespoke engines for every game. If you just create the system, which can then be the base, the game is no longer the game. It's the game is the system where you can then build the game onto. It's smart. And actually, like the cookery thing is like kind of makes sense to me because the amount of times when you're, you know, it's like having offcuts. It's like if you've got a good recipe for something, right? A good, a really good recipe will be you'll cook it up and you'll have enough left over. But then all the bits you don't use, like leftover ingredients, you can then use to make something else. Mm-hmm. And it feels like the amount of stuff that gets cut out of games, like ideas or mechanics or things that just don't quite fit. To be able to have them all in one engine so that you can literally be like, we're not using this in our game anymore and put it in a sharing pot and just having another game going, oh, we might use that and just having code that you can literally just sort of take Mm. and I don't know enough about games to know if you could do this. Just literally wholesale just sort of go and plug it into your game. I mean, Nintendo do that, don't they? Where instead of every time someone has a new game idea, instead of putting it into a new IP, they go, oh, that'll work in Zelda, that'll work yeah, in Kirby. It's and... like the Mario approval. Yeah. Your game has been deemed good enough to be taken by us and <laughs> turned into a Mario game. <laughs> yeah. I can't see that being adopted by other people. No, no. no. The protection of intellectual property is just... Mm. Mm. But no. Ubisoft, uh, the stuff that they had there, the, the flexibility of what was on offer was, was very interesting. And um, Ubisoft seems to to know what it's doing. Like, its portfolio is... is quite varied like when you have the division and valiant hearts brilliant well it's all over they're doing a lot like obviously they've got the companion app stuff for watchdogs and the crew um but then they've also got things like assassin's creed pirates which from what i can tell isn't a companion app it's a standalone yeah assassin's creed game yeah, yeah. so then there's got an app uh for uh, assassin's creed 4 that they're showing they? off at gamescom it's actually oh. really impressive. I was actually like, yeah. I was kind of like, oh, right. No, but all that. it was was like, it's the thing you have on your Android or whatever, or your phone. Yeah. And it's just the world map. I mean, you can do other stuff oh. as well. There's a, there's a game you can take away and play that's like almost like um, the stuff they used to do with Dreamcast and the VMU. So I like the idea of that is you can, when you capture ships, you can send them to your fleet and then you can use the ships that you mm. capture in the game to play a game on your mobile. Right. Which is kind of, I like That's that. That's kind of cool. But then mainly just having, it, the idea is you can be playing the game and having it, an iPad next to you or whatever and you can just literally set waypoints on the map like without having to bring up the map. Mm-hmm. Well, that's and, great. I'd I love know. that just to be able to push. But, the- but that, I was, I was going to ask, I mean, the, the uptake on that sort of stuff. At the moment, I imagine it's pretty slim. I don't think there are many people using second screen. I tried it for Forza and it was so laggy and shy that like, I kind of gave up with it. But with the with next gen coming along, there's obviously a big push for second screen and companion apps and I don't, Will it take off? Like, will people be sitting there playing Battlefield 4 Commander mode on their tablet? I imagine there will be. I guess we'll see. I, I, think, I think what might hold it back is because there's no centralised database where they say, well, if, if every app ran through Surface, for example, because every single app is a separate download, it might hold people back where they think, right, well, if I want to play Battlefield, I've got to download the Battlefield app, which mm. might be a gig and a half in itself. For Watch Dogs, there's another gig download. And with it. if everything ran through Surface, and if Sony did their own thing as well, then it might be easier if they said well well, well i was asked on. exactly i i did an interview with uh one of ubisoft's um big bosses and then afterwards they were like so can you what do you think about you playing and i was like well i, I, and I <laughs> so they interviewed you yeah and it was really weird <laughs> I, i've still got it on my dictaphone because that was still running I was like maybe i just keep this on what did but, you what do you think about well, you well i said that it's seen i said that all of the competing kind of uh services now it felt it feels a little bit like you know when you first like got onto the internet and maybe you got Hotmail and you had one account? Yeah. And then that opened up almost everything because that's all there was. Yeah. When social media exploded, everyone's like, okay, so I've got a Facebook and a Twitter handle and a blah, blah, blah. And now you can combine all of those. Mm. So you can push to Twitter and to Facebook and you don't have to be fragmented. And with passwords, there's you know third-party apps that give you one key to your entire password list and then they log you in. Yeah. So and it's really, really cleverly done. And I said, I don't think people want to be able to just to have to go and launch through Steam Origin Uplay. I agree. They yeah. want to be able to, as you said, just play games. They want this to click in and then that opens everything for them yeah. and yeah. it comes into a different structure. And that's another bloody thing. We should we're actually over the hour point already, so we have to look but we should, we should have talked about this ties into the stuff about Vita T V, which a lot of people just went Oh, it's like a weird mini Vita thing. Well, I didn't understand TV. it at first. Until I know. You explained Fair it. Enough, not, not, yeah. I wasn't talking about you. Oh, no, no, I know. <laughs> I was talking about the industry. No, 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 no. I think there's probably a lot of people that probably thought the same as I no, did, though. Absolutely. Originally. And that's why I made the video about it. Because yeah. I, if you haven't seen it, there's a video on um, on the Ebchabs that we made recently about what it all means. And I think it's really exciting. I think it's, it may not be that this is what does it, but I think there's an interesting trend going on. But anyway, we should jump ahead to some questions. Yeah. A, apologies today for the slightly longer and slightly rambly. Uh, podcast, but Possibly. I really found it interesting. Mm. Um, you know, don't blame us. Blame the games industry for not having the balls to bring any games out this week. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, first of all, we've got Jonathan Barlow who asks, is it worth getting a next-gen console on release or waiting for a price drop? 
Mm, well, is it ever worth buying a console at mm. release? I mean, if you want launch. a console at release, you will get one. Mm, if I you're that so. kind of person, you yeah. will. I used to be, when, when I was younger, I, uh, the idea of having a new console on launch day was so exciting. I feel like I'm a bit too old and a bit too yeah. jaded for that excitement now. I mean, let's um, be honest, they might drop £100 by next Christmas. That's yeah. probably the, what you're going to get. I, I think, to be honest, I'm waiting on the game. And yeah, I, exactly. uh, for me, if it looks like that game might be you. Destiny, um, just because mm. I think Bungie ha- might have the cojones to pull it off. Um, but as as of yet, there's not been a single game I've looked at no. and gone, I need to play that. There has to be one game that you really, really want, so like a Super Mario 64, and you can't get anywhere else, or there has to be between three and five other games that are better on that system and that you would also quite like to play. See, so, for me, I, I just buy it. I'm just one of those that... I'm like, yeah. It's not that. I, I, I'm, with the PS4 as well, the way you, I look at it is I can buy it, and on day one there could be two or three games I can download for free, Especially with PS Plus, I can get Drive. See, Club, I don't I even think of Warframe, it like that. I think I of it Blacklight. I think of it as kind of an element of I have to have it. Like it, it builds into the excitement of that. I'm so excited for them coming out that I have to be there day one to experience that excitement. Otherwise, it's not as exciting when I eventually get it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, it's so, not surrounded by the hype. And that I know that's it. weird. I get that. Well, no, but that's the, the thing. Is actually, you know what? Like, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he's giving me work. Giving me work. <laughs> I, I think that, yeah, I mean, I think that actually, to be honest, a, a, a really important part of being a, a, a gamer and loving games is that, is mm-hmm. accepting that it's irrational. Like, it's accepting oh, that yeah, there yeah. are irrational urges and things that we enjoy. And I accept that, that, that I'll pay sense. a premium to do that, perhaps. It's like Tetris. So. I was trying to, you know, if you think about Tetris, it's like, what are you doing? Well, I'm just making these shapes uh, appear here so that then then so you move the shapes down to the bottom what do you do well you've got to try and disappear by putting them together it's like why are you doing that it's like i don't, I don't know but i can't stop yeah, like, it's, yeah. i still it's think insane. That, yeah it's still a, but anyone else outside of it they don't get but to me tetris is just a perfect game it's, it's, it's yeah, fundamentally but if you look perfect. at it detached from playing it and knowing what it feels like mm. you just go what the, what is that yeah. Like, but yeah um Somebody's asked, uh, are you guys concerned that 10 weeks away from launch, no public showing of Battlefield 4 COD running on next gen? I've seen it on next gen. I know, yeah, that's not true. Yeah, Battlefield has been on next gen. Battlefield I don't know about Call of Duty. Ooh, don't know about Call of Duty. I saw Battlefield 4 on a PS4. It's yeah, on a PS4 same. dev kit. So it wasn't the that? PC dev kit. It was a PS4 actual I don't think there are any concerns about Battlefield 4. I think uh, I'll be more concerned that it's going to look like a dog on yeah. current gen. Mm. Um, it doesn't look great what I saw. Doesn't look great? No, okay. It looked, you know what? It looked like, I would, I'd compare it to a PC game running on low to medium settings. Yeah. I think the thing is because they've gone chasing after the 60 frames a second, I think they've had to... Yeah. Don't quote me on that. That may, that may, it may improve. By the, but that's the thing is actually, it may it's improve. It's so early. Because at the moment... Relatively speaking. The, you know, because, yeah. especially like, you know, the fact that we've seen like, um, Microsoft really recently saying, oh yeah, we've bumped up the speed of the processor by 6%. It's like, it shows you that all the stuff we saw at E3 and probably some of the stuff at Gamescom, it's not running on Final Tech, hasn't been optimised yeah. because they haven't even finished, they hadn't even finished optimising what the console tech was. And that's another problem with demos that we were talking about yeah, earlier. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, Lee Weedle says, where the hell is my door key? I don't know, Lee. Um, that's your house. That's not my responsibility. Um, any, oh, it's interesting. Well, probably not answer this one, but um, it's interesting. Any games that did well, critically or commercially, that you just couldn't get into he says for me it's red dead redemption which was interesting because we were i'd probably agree all with the that, halo actually. games borderlands again red dead for me red dead i i increasingly I, as much as i love it i consistently struggle to get into the witcher and actually i wrote a preview about Witcher three um on the website really recently about i think that's their biggest problem is the fact that everyone knows that they're great games but they're very difficult to get absolutely into correct. even the people who love them correct. like can't yeah. quite get into it an inversion um <laughs> <laughs> and finally from Craig Murray do you feel bacon for breakfast two days in a row <coughs> oh dear bless you, bless you. It, that's what it says it's, uh, it's, not, it's not a sentence oh, right. do you feel well yeah, I, would, I, do, I yeah. would like to say yes yeah. and if you know if they want to bring bacon around two, three, five all days in a row that'd be great that'd be wonderful yeah let's have it so uh, brilliant that's, that's all the questions that's not the questions there's some on the forum as well but we haven't got time I'm afraid next week next week it will be bad we haven't got Brad here blame Chris um, finally, before we wrap up, we have a brand new competition, ladies Ooh. and gents. This week's competition uh, was suggested to me on the website by a man called Slenderman Co. And I liked it. It didn't really make any sense, but I liked it. <laughs> so congratulations to you, first of all, for having the competition idea. The competition for the next month, because we had lots of drawing ones in a row. This one's kind of a drawing one, but also we had an entry of video last time. Mix it up a bit. This one, you can do video. You can write something. You can... 
just shot, Photoshop something up. You can draw and paint. You can do what you want. You can have a combination of any of them. But what you've got to do is kickstart Dave. What? So, <laughs> so you what now there, there, are, there are options. I hate Kickstarter. Precisely, right? So here's <laughs> here's here's what you gotta do, right? You've got an option, right? You can either do a Kickstarter pitch in some form or a Kickstarter thing as if you are trying to kickstart Dave, <laughs> as if you're trying to raise money mm-hmm. to either create Dave or improve Dave, and you can maybe have some stretch goals of how we can improve Dave. <laughs> Um, or you can do a Kickstarter for something that, as if as if you are Dave kickstarting something, <laughs> and you can try and try and get into the mind of Dave and work out what he's likely to do if he was going to have a Kickstarter. Like, how much money would he want? What would the goals be? What would he be doing with that money? And it could be anything. Just keep it legal. Yeah. Wow! No more than two minutes. So yeah, inside the I had no page. idea that was going to be uh, this month's competition. You know what? Oh, I got yeah. I got a private message on the on the video gamer site from the forums. Somebody had joined the forums and they sent us a message and said Brilliant. that. And I thought, yeah, that's mad. I don't exactly know what you mean, but I love it. So let's do it. <laughs> right. There are any method actors out there just to dive inside the mind of Dave? Don't spend more than five minutes inside Dave. Yeah, it's not safe. Yeah. Oh like, yeah, you'll come out mad. It's like, the, it's like the crystal maze. Just forget the crystal. Get out of there. <laughs> Just get out. Of but yeah, do whatever you want. If you want to put on a suit jacket and do a pitch video, good luck. A car, then bloody do it. <laughs> but good luck, and obviously the winner will win a video game uh, as ever. Thank you very much for listening, and uh, we will be back next week. Bye.